Welcome along to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. In the show today, I'll be flying solo and covering the most recent offering from Falling Star Wrestling when we invaded Watlington. There's a lot to cover in the show, so I won't keep you too long, but just a bit of house cleaning before we jump into the review. Hello, I'm your host for the show. My name is Patrick Vincent Crown, aka PVC, and I'm going it alone for the show today, but there will be some thoughts by Jimmy Starr later on in the show as he weighs in on the Jaden Scar controversy. Where does this fit in with Eye of the Tiger, which is coming to Linsport on October the 22nd? I don't know, but I'm sure looking forward to seeing it all unfold. But don't forget, we have one final stop before Linsport as we return to the spiritual home of Falling Star Wrestling, the West Linsports and Social Club, on the 15th of October. Usual rules apply, doors at 6.30, show 7.30, tickets on the door. And for more information, head to our Facebook page at Falling Star Wrestling. Alright, buckle up, grab yourself a tea or coffee and settle in for this episode of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, chatting all things Watlington. Falling Star Wrestling is on the road to Linsport. Eye of the Tiger is looming, but we have to make a few stops along the way, and one of those stops was at Watlington this past Sunday evening. There were tears, tantrums, and jaws dropped down to the floor, and that main event match was one that we'll talk about for quite some time. But before we get to Jaden Scar's quote-unquote last match, we had five other matches. We kicked off the show with all-pro Sean Stone. He came down to the ring with his personal referee and manager, Samuel Bloody Wakefield. Now, Wakefield talked about how the commissioner wasn't around this evening, so, you know, he could do anything he wanted. While the teacher was away, the boys will play and play dirty they did. Wakefield also mentioned that they were bored of wrestling Alex Miller. Miller's been sent back to the training academy so he can learn how to wrestle. Now, Sean Stone's opponent on Sunday was none other than the aerosol assassin, one half of the disaster artist Patrick Vincent Crown, aka PVC, aka me. Now, I knew this was going to be a massive uphill battle battling against Stone. Not only is his in-ring ability significantly improving, his confidence, his arrogance is also sky-high. Plus, he has that damn referee in the back pocket. Now, the match started off with Stone attacking me from behind after Wakefield turned me around to perform some extra checks on my boots and gear. I've not seen that one before. Absolute just tomfoolery there. This gave Stone the massive advantage, the tactic that the pair had cooked up in the back. And as I didn't have my tag team partner there to assist me, it was essentially at this point, it was two guys against one. Now, I did manage to get the upper hand on Stone I, as he ran into my boot. There was a little bit of a mistiming on this one, but I think we covered it. I think we got through it. This led to me dropping Sean Stone on his face with a massive running bulldog. This was the second time that I knew this was going to be near on impossible to win this match as Wakefield, he slowly gets gets down to his knee and he administered his patented slow count. Obviously, furiously, I jump up, speak to the ref about this, and I'm turned around instantly by Sean Stone, who tries to take advantage again. I block, run a few strikes his way, followed by a slam and a leg drop. But once more, the count is just dreadfully slow. But... I'm learning, I'm smart, I'm wily, I'm experienced. Instead of turning my back on my opponent again, I hoist him up for the TKO, I call for the finish, he's going to go down, one, two, three, but this is really where Wakefield showed his bias. He actually pulled Sean Stone down from my shoulders and out of harm's way. Obviously furious, I give the ref a massive bollocking for just abjectly cheating and not not even pretending to play fair because obviously he's done that in the past where you know he's doing normal counts or he's trying to play it down the middle or he's playing it 50 50 this is this is just ridiculous obviously they know that pvc is an established superstar within falling star wrestling so they have to do everything they can to ensure that sean stone comes away with the victory and of course, this bollocking, I'm giving the ref the bollocking, and then I get a bollocking of my own. Bam! Sean Stone comes up behind me, cracks me in the nuts, and down I go. The heat is on. I'm forced to kick out time and time again. Obviously, Wakefield has woken up, he's limbered up, and the counts are super fast. Luckily, I'm not as beaten down as they would like. Kick out before the hand comes down for three. Everything Stone has tried is not working. Obviously, there's fast counting, there's slow counting, there's cheating, low blows, but none of this is enough to keep me down. As I burst out the corner, hit a line, boom, back elbow, boom, drop kick. I'm cooking with gas again, whip Stone into the ropes. He holds on. I rush forward. He steps aside. Outside, I bundle. I quickly hop up onto the apron. 
block a shot from Stone and deliver one to him, go to thrust my shoulder into his gut through the ropes. He sidesteps, kicks me in the face, and I tumble to the floor, and the count begins. It's normal at first, I'm guessing, you know, Samuel Wakefield is thinking, okay, yeah, someone's on the outside, one. And then, of course, Sean Stone's like, well, what the hell are you doing? Count faster. So it's two, three. And he's like, no, 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 come on. This this is the opportunity we've got. He's kicking out at two. I can't make him submit. Let's count him out. Three, four, five, six, seven. Of course, the urgency, Sean's demanding it. I jump in the ring before the 10 count, but the tactics that Sean Stone has employed to win previously are not working. So he's got to think of another way about this. So Sean Stone tells the referee to look elsewhere. Sean Stone exits the ring. He finds a conveniently placed kendo stick in the corner. However, from out of the corner of his eye, he spots Alex Miller coming down. He swings the stick and misses. Hey, bada bada. Swings again, this time smashing the stick into the ring post, causing Stone to drop it. Now, Miller gives him a quick hit in the gut, throws him into the ring, of course, all while the uh, referee has his back turned. And Stone turns into a boom code breaker with angst and fury in his face. Samuel Wakefield is forced to drop to his knees. I've got him in the pinfall. I'm looking at the referee. I'm demanding that he can I'm saying, come on. He strikes the canvas one. He looks ever more worried. He strikes the canvas two. And then Wakefield leaps up to his feet and asks for the ring belt. Obviously, I'm thinking, yes, this is it. I've managed to beat Sean Stone with Samuel Wakefield as the referee. And then he calls over the announcer, the winner of the match, due to disqualification, Sean Stone. Before Wakefield could count to three, he spotted Miller on the outside, holding onto the kendo stick that he took off of Sean Stone. And of course, the referee put two and two together and decided that the match was over. The crowd were devastated. I am absolutely furious. So I step up to Samuel Bloody Wakefield and scream, what the hell is wrong with you? In terror, Wakefield jumps out of the ring, leaving Sean Stone in there all alone. Obviously seeing the fallen stone, Miller decides to jump into the ring and delivers a nice little famouser to Sean Stone. Boom, his face hits the mat. I see this and I'm obviously smiling from ear to ear. I give Miller the nod. Little bit of a handshake, fist bump, and that's the end to match number one. Obviously, Sean Stone is the winner of the match, but, you know, going by the, the footage and the way he was in the ring, he didn't look like the winner. He's hobbling, he's limping, he's being carried out of the ring, he's taking a bit of a beating, but of course, the referee said it, the winner of the match, the MC announced it, the winner of the match, all pro Sean Stone. Sean Stone's streak and win tally goes up to three, but of course... This is all down to one man. The man in this corner, the man in the black and white stripes, Samuel Bloody Wakefield. This was a massive win for all pro Sean Stone. And I can't say that the match was properly flawless. I mean, there was a few moments of timing and miscommunication. But to be fair, I think these days I'm getting a little bit too much like Jimmy. You know, I'm more about the fans, entertaining them, telling the story and the emotion. And, you know, the moves and whatnot come second. I think we told a pretty good story. We got the most out of the situation with the dodgy referee. And we also kept the story running for the following show. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I thought it was rather fun coming up with ways for Wakefield to get involved. Obviously, ways that he hasn't done yet. And also, without the kind of the official management there, with, with Jimmy being away, with the commissioner, Robbie Reed being away, it was almost like Samuel just kind of went in there and just let free. You know, Commissioner Robbie Reed told Samuel Bloody Wakefield last time, no more slow counts, none of the shenanigans and stuff like that. But of course... If the commissioner's not there to tell him off, Samuel Bloody Wakefield's going to do what Samuel Bloody Wakefield does best, and that is obviously side on the side of Sean Stone. I hope there's going to be a few extra chances down the line to get my receipt on Sean Stone, but for the meantime, I'll leave that to Alex Miller because he deserves to get one over on all pro Sean Stone and that bloody Essex scumbag Samuel Bloody Wakefield. That was match number one at Watlington. We headed into match number two. We had a tag team match. We had The Sound, Bobby Adams, George Rashwood and Brody Knox versus the Robbie Cole train, Robbie Lewis and Ollie Cole. Now, the unlikely duo of Robbie Lewis and Ollie Cole went up against the sound and of course even before the match started the sound used their bloody underhanded tactics to get a head start on the Robbie Cole train Bobby Adams first attacking Ollie Cole before he even 
had a chance to get into the ring. His entrance music was still on. He barely even given any high fives to the fans there. And of course, this drew the attention of the Robbie Lewis, who was around the other corner. He was high fiving fans. He was getting into the into the music, living on a prayer and whatnot. So Robbie comes around. He's Obviously, irate at this point, he's going to give it to Bobby Adams, but then that greasy little toss pot comes from around the corner, doesn't he? Boom! Rashwood jumps Robbie Lewis from behind. Poor Robbie is left in the ring with the sound, seemingly to do battle alone. We've got Ollie Cole on the outside. He's just been stomped to bits by Bobby Adams. And of course, the sound used their numbers to work on Robbie in the corner, pounding away at Lewis whilst Ollie lays sloon on the floor. The audience of Watlington try everything they can do to get behind Robbie. But of course, without his tag team partner in the corner, there's not really much he can do about it. The sound, as much as you might hate, despise and be revolted by them, which, yeah, to be fair, I am. You can't help but be impressed by their their synchronicity and their ability to get underneath their opponent's skin, the crowd skin, and of course my bloody skin. Robbie is trying as hard as he can to get some momentum, but the numbers game is just too much. Several times, of course, Bobby Adams is pulling the referee's attention away. You've got Rashwood in the corner, choking and pulling. You've got Brody Knox doing that stuff on the outside as well. And at this point, it's almost like it's three against one. You've got Bobby Adams, George Rashwood, and Brody Knox taking on Robbie. Bobby Lewis here because Ollie Cole is just sloon on the floor. But eventually, the big man gets a desperation double clothesline on the sound. And then Ollie Cole jumps onto the apron. He's he's raring to go. He's gasping for it. The hot tag comes. Ollie Cole comes into the ring with a flurry of offense, taking each member of the sound down one by one. Rashwood gets his head kicked off in the corner with an impressive spinning kick while Adams eats a boot from Ollie Cole. And this is the best chance that Ollie Cole has. He nails Rashwood with a big 619. But unfortunately, this is where the inexperience of Ollie Cole really showed as he never went for the pinfall on George Rashwood after just hitting that move there. He goes for another fancy move. He goes for a handstand springboard move. But he's caught in midair by dead eye Bobby Adams, who nails him with an absolutely awful backstabber. And this spelled the end for young master Ollie Cole. Rashwood and Adams hit a tandem leg sweep psycho knee, and Ollie is flattened and pinned by the sound, who, I hate to say it, looked very impressive in sync and rather dangerous tonight. I was impressed by their cunning and their underhanded tactics because they realize that they need to bring them to Eye of the Tiger on the 22nd of October if they want to leave as the FSW Tag Team Champions. But to rub salt in the wounds of the Robbie Coltrane and the Disaster Artists, Rashwood grabs the microphone and that greasy tosspot claims to the crowd, what took disaster artists 25 minutes to do in Outwell? We just did in less than 10 minutes. I don't know what voice that was. I was just going for a greasy toss pot voice. But basically what he's trying to say is we can get the job done in half the time that the disaster artists do. And, you know, fair point, Georgie boy, fair point. But the disaster artists don't attack their opponents before the match. The disaster artists don't lie and cheat and steal wins from anyone. We fight fair and honest. And yeah, I admit it, it took us a little bit longer to put them away. But after the match, after it was all said and done, we stood in the ring with them. We taught them a lesson and we shook their hands afterwards, raised their hands in the ring, and they came out looking better for it. So I don't care what you say. You know, you can get the job done in five minutes, and I'm sure you do on a regular, regular basis. I'm sure you're very, very disappointing in the bedroom, George Rashwood. You get the job done very, very quickly and, you know, well done. You guys arrive, you cheat, you win, and you just piss everyone off, but I appreciate that a little bit. You boys, you know, you're the underdogs heading into Linsport. You've never really done these these kind of hardcore matches. You haven't really been in ladder matches and, and things like that. You're going up against the NLP. You're going up against the UKP. You're going up against the Disaster Artists. You guys are outmatched. You're outsized. You're out experienced, but you're heading in in the underdogs. And of course, you need all the momentum that you can muster because anything goes at Linsport, anything goes at Eye of the Tiger, anything goes on the 22nd of October. Tables, ladders, chairs, oh my. And I won't have to worry about shaking your hand. I'll be shaking your bloody head with a ladder, mate. But if I can offer any kind of feedback on the match to Ollie, mate, you are 
full of beans and you have enough energy to 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 run a car we could use you as fuel your your petrol but mate you've got to remember to sell selling is the art of making people believe that you're hurt and that doesn't just apply to when you're lying on the floor or you know sort of pretending to get up on the side it applies to when you're performing your own moves too and it's not a case of of looking or appearing tired it's it's registering those you know, those boots and the, that attack that you got from, from Bobby Adams at the start there, you know, he was grabbing your arms, he was stomping on your chest. I kind of didn't feel that. So you got to take that extra second, buddy, especially, you know, when you're on the hot tag. I'd, I kind of ultimately forgotten at that point that you'd been viciously attacked before the match, stomped and beaten by the sound. Just a little bit of advice there. Now, obviously the match, I didn't get to see this live. This was directly after the match that I had with Sean Stone. So I was in the back, I was cooling down, I was uh, getting changed and whatnot, but I watched this back on tape and it seems like the sound are getting quite good heat. They're keeping that sustained heat throughout the match. I just want to see more selling from Ollie, but otherwise, it was it was a pretty decent match. Entertaining match went for about eight or nine minutes, and I think there was actually a lot accomplished in the match, which is really good. Now, good, good heel and babyface psychology with the attack from behind, working on the bigger man with the numbers game and the cheating, not letting Ollie Cole get up to the apron. Obviously, he's a force to be reckoned with with the whole bundle of energy to boot. And finally, just to wrap up this match, I don't give. I don't give star ratings, I'm not Dave Meltzer, I'm not Bobby Salazar, I don't give star ratings, but I will give this one a PVC star rating of zero stars, and that's just because it contained the sound. We went on to match number three, this was the advertised Limitless title match. We had Brett Semtex representing the Limitless champion RKJ versus the number one contender, the Kung Fu Vampire, Furio. And in a mark of complete disrespect for the limitless championship brett didn't bring brett didn't bring the belt along with him regardless of this and all the setbacks that have led up to this match we weren't going to cancel it because people wanted and needed to see this match now i joined this match from the sides a little way through the match but when i joined i soon enough saw the lay of the land furio over the past couple of months has been dastardly vicious heel however as the man who is tasked to bring home the fsw limitless title back to falling star wrestling he was clearly the fan favorite here at watlington brett on the other hand He's normally well-liked by the Falling Star Wrestling audience and hasn't really kind of given them a reason to boo and jeer him. However, by proxy, because he's representing Ricky Knight Jr., who at this point has had possession of the Falling Star Wrestling Limitless title for, I don't know, the better part of a year, let's say seven to nine months, he's definitely not a crowd favourite. So I guess like Brett by proxy got all that heat and he wasn't a fan favorite here at Watlington both Brett and Furio knew that this would be the case heading into the match and worked the match accordingly which is super smart by them both and for a vast period of this match Brett was basically just killing Furio Furio was like my childhood Hulk Hogan wrestle buddy and was thrown from pillar to post suplexes throws slams However, the Kung Fu Vampire kept kicking out and kept fighting, and this elated the audience because they had a clear winner in mind. They had somebody who they wanted to win and bring home that title, and they did not want to see Brett Semtex take that belt back with him, back to Norwich, and put it nicely into the lap of RKJ. Every now and then, there was a glimmer of hope sprinkled in there as the martial arts master Furio would get a kick to the head or a, or a body shot in there, but before he could gain any real momentum brett would just use his sheer size and strength to overcome furio but furio refused to die and i think people really appreciate that he kept kicking out even after brett semtex gave it all he could teardrop suplexes fall away slams standing vertical suplex with a few squats in there to boot holding up for a minute or so and even a one-winged angel, Brett hoisted Furio up onto his shoulders and then drove him, boom, straight into the mat. But Furio would not surrender and lay down for the three count. Eventually, Brett Semtex grabs Furio and tries to land his best move, the F5. But the wily Furio hops to his feet and faints like he's going to spit the mist into Brett's face. This is kind of shadowing back to West Lynn. The last time when they was in the elimination five-way match, Brett hoisted Furio up. Furio lands on his feet. 
boom, Brett turns around, mist to the eyes, he faints, Brett covers his eyes and covers his face, and Furio smiles and looks at the crowd and thinks, ha ha ha, I am one step ahead of you boy, boom, kicks Brett straight in the back of the head, one, two, Two and three quarters, Brett Semtex is still in the match. People are going crazy. The crowd are elated, but they still want Furio to bring back that limitless title. Furio tries to tie Semtex up in a pretzel and make him submit. But of course, the beast ain't going to tap out that easy. After a bit of back and forth, Furio uses one of his many strengths against the big man. And that's his speed and agility. And he floats around and manages to pin Brett's shoulders to the mat for the three count. Everyone in Watlington was absolutely stunned. They did not see this one coming because it was just so kind of quick and rapid and unexpected. Including Brett Semtex. He didn't know. He, he didn't see the three count. He didn't hear the three count. And Furio proved that he could get the job done without resorting to underhanded tactics, without cheating, without having to spit mist into the eyes of his opponent. Furio came out the winner, and he is now officially, after a long, 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 long time, the Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Champion. But, but, and it's a pretty big but, there's one massive, gaping, glaring problem here. There was no belt to drape across the shoulders of the winner. So as much as Furio wanted to celebrate bringing home the gold, he literally couldn't celebrate. There was no belt for him to parade around the Watlington Village Hall. There was no belt for people to say, yes, you are the champion. So Furio does what any man would do, and he grabs the stick, he grabs the microphone, and demands that his belt that he won comes home to Falling Star Wrestling. And if it's not there, the Kung Fu Vampire will not be accountable for his actions. He also finished off this promo with a statement. I am limitless. Then we headed into the interval. That was the first half of Falling Star Wrestling at Watlington. Then when we came back after a 20-minute break and the interval, a little bit of raffle action as well going on there, we had match number four. After the quick break from all the thrills and spills in the first half, the action kicked off with a Falling Star Wrestling debut from Adonis Payne. But people soon forgot about Payne as... Soon as the Sassy Ones music hit, the audience had their hands in the air, they were swaying, they were waving side to side to the sound of George Michael, and they were just absolutely loving it. And I just love the reaction that Sassy gets from the from the audience at the Falling Star Wrestling shows. Like he's super over. He's just got this gimmick that you just want to kind of sway your hands to and, and dance and clap and cheer and stuff like that. But in terms of the match, the match started off with Clarence getting the better of Adonis, outmaneuvering him at every step of the way with his speed, strength, and I guess a whole lot of sass as well. This caused the new face to need to exit the ring to clear his thoughts. Of course, the Falling Star Wrestling audience were not going to let him off that easy, letting Adonis Payne know exactly what they think of him, giving him the old who are ya and all that sort of stuff. And at the early stage of the match, it kind of looked like Sassy Bear was going to going to walk home with this one, seemingly knowing every move that Adonis Payne was going to do until Adonis Payne managed to slip behind the Sassy Bear and kick his legs from under him from here. The crowd were on complete boom mode, but this wasn't phasing Mr. Payne. In fact, he was kind of lapping it up. He was really giving the crowd some stick, and this was a really impressive kind of first outing for Adonis Payne. He didn't he didn't cower back from that crowd who had given him a lot of stick because they're just so far behind Sassy Bear. They want him to win. Everything Sassy does is just the best, but Adonis was just, he was just taking it in his stride, and, and at this point, Adonis... He spotted a weak point in Sassy Bear Clarence's game, and that was the left arm of Clarence wrapping it around the rope, slamming it on the canvas, and running his knees into it repeatedly. And things looked quite bleak for Clarence, but the crowd were not giving up on him, chanting, No Sassy, no party. No Sassy, no party. And this was just enough fuel for the bear with enough energy to hit a flurry of offense, including his panted springboard back elbow, which always looks super impressive. Sassy hits the Dr. Bomb for a near fall, 
but not managing to fully cover Adonis Payne due to his arm being worked throughout this match. Now towards the end of the match, the calculating Adonis Payne locks in a crippler crossface working on the injured upper arm of the sassy bear, but of course Clarence, he would not quit and with the help of the Watlington faithful, Clarence lifts himself off the mat with Adonis Payne clasped and with the extra piece of effort, Payne is hoisted upon Clarence's shoulder and run into the buckle and slammed on the mats and by all accounts this should have been it for the match but sassy wasn't done there he decides to climb the turnbuckle and astonishingly performs a beautiful textbook sassy moonsault he jumps twists turns lands and splats pain into the mat and gets a massive win and kicks off the second half in Watlington with energy, exuberance, and most importantly, character. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really, really good. I think it was a nice way for the Falling Star Wrestling audience to see a new face that they hadn't seen before. Plus, of course, it's always a party when you have the rainbow-laden Sassy Bear Clarence in the ring. It was a perfect opener in the second half. It got Sassy character over. It also introduced Adonis to the Falling Star Wrestling faithful. It went to time. It was the right result and in the right time at the show. So, out of all the matches that kind of happened this evening, you know, not counting the the main event, which which had to go main because of reasons we'll talk about in a little bit, I thought that this match was was probably the best match up until this point, and I thought it was a really good opener for the second half as well. So great job on those guys. Whether we'll see Adonis Payne in a Falling Star Wrestling ring again, I don't know, but I'm sure we would welcome him back. So hopefully it'll be a face that we'll see around here very very soon. Then. We went into match number five, a triple threat academy match. JJ King versus Joey Garcia versus Alex Miller. Once more, the academy guys kind of get thrown in at the deep end. These boys had the impossible task of sitting pretty in between a cracking match between Sassy and Adonis and then the main event match and the main event, I guess, program that happened after this. This, coupled with the fact that they weren't really given the most amount of time, made this quite a challenging spot for the three FSW Academy guys. But these are the types of matches where you try and experiment and figure out what works and what doesn't. Now, in terms of the match, the match started off with Miller and King bumping fists. This, of course, caused Joey Garcia to make the decision to leave the ring. I'm guessing the idea being that he doesn't want those guys to team up on him, so he's not going to have anything to do with it, and I think that's quite smart. But you can't win a triple threat match by being on the outside, and after some back and forth between Miller and King, Garcia decides to interject himself into the match, breaking up a fisherman's suplex from JJ King, dragging him out and throwing him in into the post. This gave Garcia the chance to get into the match and work some of his magic on Alex Miller. Strikes, chops, shots, knees, and even a TKO. <clears throat> Side note, don't go stealing my moves, brother. Couldn't put the ultimate underdog Alex Miller down for the count. Now, JJ on the outside finds a chance to get himself back into the fold by removing Miller from the ring and working some of his strong style with the prize fighter Joey Garcia. The two just wailed on each other for a while. Slaps, chops, punches, strikes, and generally just putting welts on each other's body until Magic Miller ascends to the top rope and gets a buy one, get one free offer, getting two for the price of one with his massive front drop kick. The match soon finished up with Miller taking advantage of a prone Garcia. He hits the Famouser for the win. Alex Miller picks up a much-needed victory heading into the show at West Lynn on the 15th of October, the go-home show for Lynn Sport and... Shortly after the match, Miller was spotted heading into the changing rooms. Obviously, after just winning the match, super elated, super happy. But before he could say anything to the uh, the camera there, Miller was blindsided by his bitter rival and the man that, quote-unquote, beat me earlier in the evening, all-pro Sean Stone. Stone hit a few body shots and then runs Miller into the wall and tells him, I'll see you at West Lynn on the 15th. So it looks like we're going to see Stone Miller 3 at West Lynn, and I'm sure that Sean Stone and Samuel Bloody Wakefield have plenty up their sleeves once again to stack the odds against Alex Miller. But as we found out on Sunday, Miller will not give up that easily, even when it seems like the odds do not favour him at all. Now, Let's go back to the match. I don't want to be too harsh on the three guys in the match. They were put in a pretty difficult spot within the card. Dare I say, even the piss break popcorn match. I mean, 
there was three of them trying to get their stuff in, trying to impress and improve, but they didn't really have that much time to do it in either. I think each one of them knows the pluses and minuses from the match, and we spoke about it quite briefly afterwards. I hope that Jimmy and Furio will also be able to give them some pointers too. So I'm not going to bury them on here on the podcast, but one thing I will mention, the match wasn't initially going to be a three-way. It was going to be a singles match with Joey and JJ, but we threw Miller in there late notice, and there was no moaning to me uh, and everyone did the job that they were asked so i appreciate that guys i can understand and i do understand that it's pretty annoying for when things are chopped and changed around at the the last minute you have to kind of overcome and improvise so thanks for taking care of business boys just just watch your positioning a little bit bring a bit of extra confidence even if you're lost and maybe mess up or forget some bits the best remedy for that is just confidence and the best way to gain confidence is just to be put in these kinds of matches and learn from the experience you probably didn't enjoy it too much you didn't have much time you're in a three-way match which 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 are hard you're in the popcorn seat as well but there's so much that you can pick up from this so just you know chin up boys and, and carry on and then the moment oh boy this is gonna be difficult the moment that everybody was waiting for we're here we've arrived at the final match of jade and scar now this match is gonna be quite difficult for me to review so I'm going to kind of break it down in a few different parts, like the match and the build-up itself, I'll be talking about that, and then I'll round up my final thoughts, and that'll be broken down in, I guess, two different ways. I'll be talking it as, as PVC, like I have been going through this entire review from my perspective as a wrestler and as a worker, and then I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to jump into a breakdown and my thoughts as, I guess... Sean, as a wrestling fan, as a friend of these guys, and how I would normally review a WWE or an AEW show, let's say. So, for the boys, I'll do a kayfabe review, and then I'll do a non-kayfabe review. Okay, cool. So, let's talk about the match. This was the final match of Jaden Scar, so he comes down to the ring, and the audience are there. There's an air of mystery, because Jaden Scar has put some feelers out on social media saying that he's planned something special. Little did we know what that was, but at the time, we just thought that maybe he'd handpicked a special opponent, which was the next guy to come to the ring. The returning Jack Landers. Absolutely amazing to see Jack back in the ring. The crowd goes absolutely wild. And I guess the prospect of these two guys duking it out for the final time really had people excited. But that wasn't it. There was another surprise in there as Jaden took the microphone and proclaimed that he didn't want to wrestle Jack for his last match. He actually wanted to wrestle with Jack for his last match. Jaden takes off his top and reveals he's wearing a next level vest underneath. The audience realise what's going on here and just when you thought it couldn't get any better for the final time ever, we're going to see next level in action. They of course used to be tag champs. They used to be the best tag team in Falling Star Wrestling. So they want to go out showing that they are still the best and then wrestle the current best tag team in Falling Star Wrestling. The current champions, the Norfolk Legion of Pain, Crowley and Mitch Basher. The match is set. Let the fun begin. Jaden and Crowley are the first to kick this one off. Jaden getting a nice long shine against the Swamp Monster, displaying his usual offense of kicks and evading anything that the muddy Crowley could throw at him. After too many kicks, the bearded member of the NLP, Crowley, grabs the desperation tag to his partner in crime, Mitch Basher. Of course, Basher wants nothing to do with Jaden and demands that Landers gets into the ring, which they oblige. Mitch Basher begins to berate the young Landers, saying, I knew you when you were 11 years old and knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, those weren't the actual words that Mitch Basher said, but I'm kind of paraphrasing here at the moment. And I'm going to show you, no matter how tall you are now, I'm still here to knock you down a few pegs. Now, the spring-heeled one gets the better of Basher, hitting a few of his classic and fantastic high-flying moves, an impressive Samoan drop on Crowley, and even a few other moves I've seen someone else in FSW perform. I mean, come on! (laughs) Next level, they are cooking on gas, and they seem to have not missed a step, showing why they were the most exciting and entertaining team in Falling Star Wrestling tag team history. Dual in-sync kicks by Landers and Scar, but eventually the NLP do what the NLP does best and that's hunker down and weather the early storm and then pick and choose a chance to take advantage of young Jack Landers. From this moment on the NLP are in full control working on Landers, grinding him down
down, splitting the ring in half, not allowing him to get the tag to Jaden, who's waiting on the apron with bated breath on the wings to get the hot tag. Landers is rushed into the corner, gives Crowley a boot, boom, lends an elbow to Basher on the apron, boom. And then one of the Spring Hills vaults over the prone Crowley, tries for the tag, but is caught at the last minute by Crowley. Landers is millimeters away from the hot tag and knows he has to do something drastic, which he does, boom, rolls into the hot tag to his next level partner. Jaden comes in like a man possessed, taking out the NLP single-handedly. At one point, I even see him pull off a very impressive frog splash from the top rope to a near fall. The match is all but won by the unstoppable one. That's until Ladders flew too close to the sun and attempts to do a backflip onto Crowley on the floor from the ring, but the Swamp Beast is smart enough to evade the attack and sidesteps Landers, lands on his feet, but he's, let's just say he's greeted by a gigantic shoulder tackle, pounce, push into this curtain at the side there. But little did we know, behind that curtain was a pair of emergency doors, which just swung open and Jack went flying through them out of the venue. Of course, this left Jaden all alone with the NLP. And as much as Jaden tried to put up a good fight, he was just significantly outnumbered, outmaneuvered by Basher and Crowley, who hit their dirty double tag team finish. And the former Falling Star Wrestling champion is pinned in his last match. One, two, three. Beaten, broken, dejected, and now retired. Jaden Scar sits in the middle of the ring. And after just giving his everything to the Falling Star Wrestling audience for the last time, the audience rise to their feet. They clap, they cheer, they hoot and holler for the man in the ring. The curtains open and the Falling Star Wrestling locker room also comes out to show their respect to the man they once called a colleague and a friend. Obviously, Jack Landers is the last one to show his respect. He was on the outside. He's just been bashed from pillar to post by the NLP. He joins him in the ring. Jaden's sitting in the middle of the ring. He's helped onto a chair by Jack who begins to cut a really... A really good promo detailing his friendship with Jaden Scar, their time running up and down the road together, you know, their awesome matches, their awesome run together through the Falling Star Wrestling tag team division to right now. And it was it was really well detailed. It was a it was a heartfelt promo from Jack. And the audience really understood how much they respected each other and just how close their relationship was. And this was well. This is all until Jaden Scar eventually gets to his feet after hugging Jack. He folds up the steel chair and then the air within the Watlington Village Hall turns cold. There's silence. Everyone is holding their breath, wondering what's going to happen. And what went down was something that Jack, the crowd and even the boys in Falling Star Wrestling were not expecting. That Judas backstabbing, evil, vile, conniving Bastard Jaden Scar stabs his best friend and long-term tag team partner in the back with a steel chair. Shocked, stunned, speechless, angry and tearful. The Falling Star Wrestling audience watches Jaden Scar batters Jack Landers with a chair repeatedly in the back. Smash, crash, bash. Landers is being brutalized. The MC, Danny Fear, calls for some help. So some of the boys come from the back. They're running to the ring, but they're greeted by Scar with some more chair shots. Bam, bam. Scar takes out Garcia. Bam, bam. Takes out King. Bam, takes out Lewis. And finally, bam, bam. Hits Alex Miller to the ground so the rest of the Fallen Star locker room rush to the ring and manage to overpower Scar before he can do any further damage to Landers everyone's mouth is just gaping wide open the wrestlers are in awe they're angry they're heartbroken and I guess most of all we all just feel betrayed the absolutely despicable act that just occurred in the middle of the ring hit each and everyone differently. I could hear crying, there was shouting, there was booing, and just general disgust. And then Jaden grabs the microphone and sets off on a scathing, searing tirade. Now, I don't really think I can do it any justice, so I'm going to add the clip in here for you to check it out. So I'll be back on the other side. You lot want an explanation. How about you all got lied to? You brought it in. I don't care if the microphone's off or on. I'll sit here and talk all night. But listen to me. Even that bitch boy Bobby, you little 
Shut up! Shut up! Make myself clear. I've been the number one that dodged bollocks since I walked through that curb for the first time and I stood up, baby! I'm the Gazza of the 80s, I'm the Beckham of the 90s, I'm the Messier today. I am Jaden Scar! You lot can boo or cheer. There's some people in this crowd. I know you. Trust me. I know who you are. You don't like me. Well, come and say it to my face while I walk around this room. And I tell you now, I dumped your jaw straight on the floor, Bush. I robbed your hard-earned money. You all came out to celebrate my last match. You think your opinions bother me? You think they bother me? He's a heel. He's not. I'm deluded. He's bad. He's bad. He's bad. As for mum and dad, don't look at me like that. I have told you both before, privately, that one day Jack will open his mouth to the wrong person and you both look like you've seen a ghost. Why? Because he's opened his mouth to the wrong guy and you both know what I'm capable of and you both know what I'm going to do. So you not can sit there all you want, boo me, cheer me, I don't care. This company is falling, Scar Wrestling. It's been for 10 years, I put the company on my back, through COVID, before COVID, and guess what? I'll continue to do it, because without me coming down that ramp, the doors don't even open, bitch. They do for Jack. They do No one is in the hospital getting surgery while Jaden's pulling his ass, doing his bollocks, week and week out. Shut your mouth, big man. Shut your mouth and sit down, you idiot. So listen, you know it, you know it, you know it. Uno, one, the dogs, bollocks. And listen to me, Jack always opens his mouth and says, shut up. Nobody cares, I don't care. I don't care. Brilliant. Join the boat. Anyway, listen, Jack always goes on about being the next level. Well, while Jack was filming videos, doing backflips on his trampoline in his back garden, like a kid, I was travelling the country winning world titles. Every single week. I do it on a Saturday, I do it on a Sunday, I do it on every day I want. And guess what? Westland, you'll all pay your money to come and see me. Now play my music, bitch. Yeah, so from the perspective of PVC, all I have to say is that was just that was just uncalled for by Jaden Scar. He he led us all in the wrong direction and, and caused people to come along to support him on his retirement match, or to just turn around and just just betray us, just stab us in the back. And that's what it was. It was just it was it was just betrayal. Like he didn't have to do it this way. I don't know if he was feeling unloved or left out or overlooked. He could have mentioned something to the management, made his feelings known, but he kind of orchestrated this act of just violence and hatred towards his former best friend. For what? I don't know. Why? Like, what, to prove a point? To get his name noticed? To get some extra exposure because poor widow Jaden lost his title and can't get it back because daddy Jimmy didn't have better plans for him and he was just wallowing in the mid-card for months post-COVID? Bro, there's a better way to handle your business, Jaden, and it's... <sighs> For God's sake, mate, you just turned your back on the Falling Star family. I mean, you claim you're the dog's bollocks. Yeah, right. Bullshit, mate. You're just a crybaby who threw his toys out of the pram when he didn't get what he wanted. You're not the Gazza of the 80s, mate. You're not the Beckham of the 90s. 
You're not the messy of today. You're pathetic, devious, callous, backstabbing. You're just a piece of work who don't deserve to be a part of the Falling Star Wrestling family. I'm still shocked. I'm still stunned by your actions. Disgusting. Now, unfortunately, like Jimmy, couldn't make it to Watlington due to other commitments, but... It's clear that Jaden orchestrated this moment for when Jimmy was away. Jim's watched the footage and he's got a few words to say from his hotel room in Bulgaria. After this, I'll be back with my final comments about this. But as discussed, I'll be Sean out of character, giving my kind of honest feedback on the segment. If you just want to leave it after Jimmy talks, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to hear my real thoughts, join us after this. Hi, guys. It's uh, Jimmy Starr here. Listen, it's just a quick one to say um, I'm uh, absolutely disgusted with the actions of Jaden Scar. What he did to Jack Landers on Sunday is totally unforgivable. I'm currently away, as you guys know. I can't do anything from where I am at the moment, but I will not be suspending Jaden Scar because there's so many wrestlers who want to get their hands around his scrawny little neck and kick his teeth in. It would be unfair to deny those guys that right. And the first in queue is Jack Landers. He did it whilst I wasn't there. He knew I wasn't going to be at the show. So this has been planned for some time. He's fooled the fans. He's fooled the wrestlers. He's fooled the management. He's fooled me. So, um, yeah, disgusting. PVC, I'm sure you're covering the subject. Thanks for covering the podcast. I miss you, brother, and uh, I look forward to uh, jumping on the podcast as soon as I get back. But just apologies again from uh, Falling Star Wrestling. We do not condone the actions of Jay and Scar. We do not condone his behaviour, and it will be dealt with in a very, very serious manner. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Take care, guys. Hope to see you all in the next month. Take care. Bye. Okay, please don't hate me, but yeah, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> from the wrestling that Jaden left in the ring from the podcast we did with him about leaving Falling Star Wrestling to this match and this segment right now, I knew about it and I actually helped orchestrate it. So for that, I'm both sorry and also, how bloody great was it? Talk about a piece of wrestling business done right. Now, I've seen multiple retirement and, you know, heel turn angles done well, but this may, be, <laughs> this may be a little bit biased coming out here, but I thought this was done expertly. Now, I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to peel back the curtain too much on what went on behind the scenes. Obviously, we do get kind of meta and into the weeds about Falling Star Wrestling and the booking and the angles and stuff here on the podcast. We're very frank, open and honest, but... I think sometimes it's just nice to enjoy and not know how the, how the salad is made, not know what ingredients the chef put in there. So we'll just say that I, I knew that Jaden was going to cut a promo at the end after he did what he did to Jack Landers. I knew the general gist of the promo, but boy, oh mate, did he craft a heck of a story in that promo. Like, I thought it was like brilliantly scripted. And it was just like an episode of television from when he revealed he wasn't going anywhere to the whole revelation, the, the part about tricking each and everyone in the audience to addressing Jack and that whole thing, bringing in the heart and the soul of the whole thing when he addressed Jack's parents as well. It was fantastic, honestly. I was in the middle of the ring. I was having to react to this. I was having to, uh, you know, care for Jack in the ring who's just been brutalized by the chair. I had to act as if I was disgusted and horrified and stuff. But like inside... I was like, this is, this is money. I, my, the hairs were standing up on my arms. I was getting goosebumps and he just did this constant circling of the ring and he was going on and on, cutting this promo and on and on and on. And it just, it just worked for me. Like sometimes promos can go on too long. They can drag out, but I don't know what was going on in Jaden's head that evening, but everything he said just made sense. Nothing was repeated. He was devious when he needed to be. He was cocky when he needed to be. He was arrogant at other times. He played the audience like he was a conductor of the Philharmonic Orchestra. Like, when, <laughs> imagine this is it. like, when I want you to cry, you're going to cry. When I want you to feel angry, you're going to jump out of your seat and scream and point and snarl. When you want to feel like an idiot for coming down, taking time out of your life, paying your hard earned cash to see me retire. Damn! Oh. That was a superb piece of business. Now, when I think back to the key, pivotal, incredibly emotional moments within Falling Star Wrestling, I have to say that Jaden Scar 
You now hold two of them, buddy. From Linsport, when you won the Falling Star Wrestling title for the first time, people were just elated, full of joy and pleasure and happiness. And then we go to last Sunday, that's moment number two, when you caused everyone in that room just, I don't know, heartache, misery, confusion. (sighs) Bravo, my friend. Bravo. This was a much-needed heel turn for Jaden as a character, I think this is a much-needed boost for for Craig, the person, as a worker. I think it's a much-needed introduction of a new character within Falling Star Wrestling. Obviously, it is the same old character of Jaden Scar that people know and love, or should I say, knew and loved. But it's a new character now. They're going to see such a different dynamic performance from him now. And this was it's a much-needed heel within Falling Star Wrestling who's got credibility, who... Who just who just looks like he can go out there and just kill people and it's it's just all round A plus five star top marks Champions League winning final 180 gold medal Oscar winning performance from Jaden Scar and I tell you what West Lynn on the 15th of October just got a hell of a lot more interesting right as did I over the Tiger at Lynn Sport the week after it's a wonderful time to be a falling star wrestler it's also a wonderful time to be a falling star wrestling fan. Oh boy, that was good. Man. Genuinely, I'm about five days removed from Watlington and it's still playing on my mind. There was so much that happened on that show. Falling Star Wrestling is becoming a must-see wrestling company right now, especially as we head towards Eye of the Tiger on the 22nd of October. Already set, we have the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team TLC match for the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team titles, The Sound versus the UKP versus the Disaster Artists versus the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the NLP, who will climb the ladder to success and claim those belts. I don't know. Also, we have our main event, the vacant Falling Star Wrestling Championship is on the line when Callie Gray and the Dark Wolf Matt Walters battle for the gold. Who's the man? Who's the top guy? Who can leave Eye of the Tiger as the Falling Star Wrestling Champion? Tickets are on sale. Don't forget to get your seat while you can because this is going to be red hot. The weekend before on the 15th, we'll also be at the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn for the go-home show. The one before the big one. There are plenty of questions still circulating about Jaden Scar. What's in store for him at Eye of the Tiger? Plus the Limitless title. Will Furo finally get his hands on the title belt? You'll have to find out and come along on Saturday 15th of October. Okay, I'm sure you've heard enough of me. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Don't forget to rate and review. Follow us on social media. Falling Star Wrestling is hot right now. Don't miss out. Take care and I'll catch you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye-bye.